This is episode 31 of the Popcast. Hello, welcome to the Popcast, the pop culture podcast from Vernacular. We're your hosts, Maureen and Josh Goldman. Each week, we'll dive into the latest in pop culture with our three regular segments. First, the snack bag, where we cover some smaller stories from the past week. Second, the marquee topic, where we dive in-depth into one pop culture story or event. And third, the teasers, where we give our suggestions for pop culture content you might have missed, but should definitely check out. Welcome back, Maureen. How are you doing? Great. How are you, honey? I'm doing well. Maureen, can I talk to you about something before we get started with the snack bag? Yes, Josh, you can talk to me about something why are you stuttering? I, I didn't stutter like that. You did. Like you that. like paused weirdly. Well, I didn't mean to. Okay. I didn't mean to. You were just thinking. So I went grocery shopping the other night, and I returned home with something that wasn't on the list. I returned this home- This is very typical for Josh. Yes, it is. That's I re- typical for me, too, actually. We always find something we like. I returned home with Oreos, which, you know, standard Oreos are fine. Sometimes I return home with double-stuffed Oreos. Well, the reason that I purchased Oreos this week was because I came across a new product, which was- I don't even know. I don't even remember the, the most fl- stuff. The most stuff. By the way, did you eat those? There were two left. No, I didn't eat the Great. rest. Great. I of need them. you to save them because I think I want to use them as hooves for Caleb's birthday cake. <laughs> okay. We're making a cow cake, guys. Our son has a birthday coming up. He is turning two, which is very exciting. We are making him a cow cake made out of many, many cupcakes. Anyway, the point is, the most stuffed. the most stuffed Oreos. It's like it's like more than double stuffed. It, it it even seems like maybe more than triple stuffed would be. I'd never seen something like this before, so I had to buy them. And I have to say, I think there's such a thing as too much stuffing in an Oreo. It was like you couldn't. Now I love double stuff. Regular Oreos is like I don't even want. And and Oreo thins get out of here. Why do they even make this? I don't know. But this one, I agree with Josh that like you took a bite and it was like the cookies just smushed the cream out because there was just too much. There was just too much. So I'm gonna say on whatever it's called, the most stuffed or whatever it's called, do not purchase. Uh, I would say purchase and try it out and let us know. What I would you think. say double stuffed is the most stuffed you should go. I will say. Um, our son quite enjoyed his the most stuff. Oh, you gave tonight. him one. I did give him Interesting. one. Interesting. He ate a really good dinner tonight. When so. I first bought them, Maureen said, do not show these to our son. I did not show him the package or where they were located. Okay. Not that he could get them. He's not that tall. He can point to them and say cookie. <laughs> okay. Maureen, should we jump into the snack bag? Yes. First snack bag topic this week. I came across this article. I wasn't aware of this, but apparently we talked a couple weeks ago about a musical version of The Notebook. Well, making musicals of movies seems to be all the trend now because now there's going to be a musical version of Magic Mike. This seems like grown-up newsies with like a little porn added in there. Like a bunch of dancing men. Okay, let's think about the musical. It's probably going to be really talented dancers. Yes. So we're probably going to get amazing stripper choreography, which is like newsies with a little bit of porn added in. (laughs) Have you seen the movie? Magic Mike? Yes. Yes. It was a little sad. Should it be made in... I've never seen the movie. I've seen the trailer. I know It should I know be made into it. a musical that only premieres in Las Vegas for And that's exactly parties. not where it's going to be premiering. It will be premiering in November in Boston. It's already got a Broadway date next year in 2020. So this thing is Maybe roaring. Maybe bachelorette parties will go to New York to see it. I feel like this is a bachelorette party like attraction. Yeah, but you know what I think? Is, is it too... Like... 
when you say it should be in Las Vegas, that makes sense because a lot of things in Las Vegas are very interactive. It's completely unnecessary. But like Pretty Woman the Musical is also unnecessary. Yes, but do you think that there's going to be raucous fan interaction with Magic Mike the Musical? I don't think there is with Pretty Woman the Musical. Raucous fan interaction? Yeah, you know, like they get excited. They start yelling at the stage, you know, when the stripping happens. I don't think that's going to happen at the Broadway musical. Really? Really. Okay. It's not a strip club. People are going to be paying a hundred bucks a pop. Yeah, I know, but you just said bachelorette parties are going to go see it. Well, I'm just hypothesizing. So they go drinking first, and then they go see Magic Mike the Musical. I'm basically picturing Thunder from Down Under, but this is going to be Broadway caliber, so there will be talent on stage. And it's going to be a musical, so they're going to be singing while they're doing the strip club things. It's going to be strange. I'm not sure this needs to be made into a musical. I'm just going to say that. Let's go over-under on how many performances it will go. Let's set the over-under at 100. Is that too little? Yeah, that's too little. Okay, let's set the over-under at like 350, so like a whole year. I say under. You say under 350? Yeah. Okay, yeah. I'd say under 352. So we're both taking the under on 350 Broadway performances for Magic Mike the Musical. 200 over-under. I'd say over 200. I say under. Okay, well, there you go. Next year in 2020, we will bring you our recap of how many performances Magic Mike the Musical has played. No, by that time, our podcast is going to be so big, Magic Mike the Musical is going to bring us backstage to eat our words and to share in their success. Hey, I'd love that. If they invited us to New York and we did a little backstage interview with the cast and crew. I'm telling you, I think the thing that is going to be stunning about that is going to be the dancing. It's going to be amazing. Maureen, our next snack bag topic. Jim Gaffigan, one of our favorite comedians. We love him. He is going to do a new comedy special. It's going to be his seventh comedy special. But the thing that makes this one unique is that it's going to be the first comedy special that Amazon has put out. Okay. That's not... I mean, Amazon is just a big money-making machine. By the way, not pleased with Jeff Bezos lately. Why? That he cheated on his wife and he's getting remarried or something. Well, that doesn't have much to do with pop culture. No, but I just like... As you'll see from my teasers... I feel like people who are in charge of big corporations and who are making an impact in the world in a big way should be better people. They have a responsibility. We all have a responsibility. But, but they have, they an, have extra responsibility. an extra responsibility. Okay, yeah. we'll save that for the teasers. Okay. I think that this could be exciting. I what, was, makes it, what makes it exciting? It, does, it, doesn't, make, it doesn't make it different. I'm excited because it's Jim Gaffigan. Yeah, me too. But I'm surprised. I guess I should say I'm surprised. I'm surprised that Amazon has not had a comedy special. Netflix seems to have a comedy special every other day. Yeah. Some of which are not good and some of which are pretty good. So I'm surprised. And I think I think if you're going to pick anybody, Jim Gaffigan is a good first one to do to, to sort of test the waters. Do your Amazon subscribers want comedy specials? I'm excited to watch it. We'll definitely do a review after we do. Yeah, I think it's going to come out later this year. They're taping it at the end of March, so he already has new material. We will see how it is after that. I added one more thing to the snack bag list after I sent the outline to you because I had this idea in my head and then I forgot about it when I was making the outline, but then I remembered when I was in the grocery store. I read this article that said the candy conversation hearts, they're not coming out this year. I heard it on the radio this morning when I was driving to work. It's true. It's because I guess the company that used to make them, Brock's, sold the business apparently it takes them like 11 or 12 months to produce these little candy hearts they made eight billion last year this isn't really pop culture but i it's sort of pop culture so i wanted to include it anyway there are going to be no candy conversation hearts this year i just can't believe that there's only one company that makes them well there's some knockoffs but who who wants to mess with those so don't be fangler candy company they make dum-dum lollipops circus peanuts 
Josh's other favorite candy. Oh my gosh, candy. I love Circus Peanuts. And they purchased Necco wafers and its other brands like Sweethearts. So I guess they're not going to be in existence this year, except plot twist. I was in the store this evening for the second time today and the third time in two days. And they were there. Candy Hearts? They had little mini... Did you buy them? No, I didn't buy them. There were so many. But they had little mini versions. So they weren't the full-sized hearts. And then I was really... They were little boxes. They were little boxes. I was really confused. But I was a little nervous because after I read this article, I thought, am I buying candy conversation hearts that are something like two years old? Probably, but who cares? They're sugar. I don't know. No, I'm buying them. Well, I'm sure we'll buy some. But I was actually like disappointed when I read this article that said that they're not going to be around this year. But they they have assured people they will be back in 2020. So let's just hope. I think that will about do it for the snack bag this week. But before we jump into our marquee topic, here is a quick word from one of our sponsors. Do you ever listen to an episode of the Popcast and think, man, I'd love to give podcasting a try. Or maybe you think to yourself, that Josh, he's a hack. I could do my own show about pop culture. I'd want to keep Maureen, though. She's great. Well, I've got good news for you. Anchor, the very platform we use for the podcast, is the easiest way to make a podcast. Their platform is super simple to use and gives you everything you need to make your show in one place, either on your phone or on your computer. And the best part? It's completely free to use. They have the tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast And they'll take care of distribution so you can make your voice heard everywhere from Apple Podcasts to Spotify to Google Podcasts and more. You can also make money from your podcast and get this, there is no minimum listenership required to start making money. So what are you waiting for? Download the Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Okay, back to the show. Maureen, marquee topic this week. It is Josh's Super Bowl, everybody. I'm not talking about football. Honey, what am I talking about? We're talking about Oscar nominations. Also known as the Joshkers around these parts. Well, the Oscars typically happen around my birthday, which is the end of February. The Oscars are always around Josh's birthday. Yes. So we always do some kind of like birthday celebration. And a couple of years ago, we did a party called the Joshkers. That was, and it was Maureen's idea. And it was a great, great His hit. birthday party and Oscar celebration combined. Yes, I love the Oscars. I love the Oscar nominations. I, lo- I really enjoy this whole awards season. And this past week, on January 22nd, we had the Oscar nominations come out, and two films led the way with the top nominations. We have Roma with 10 nominations, and we have The Favorite with 10 nominations. So before we jump into our little discussion about all of this, I just want to let you guys know the Best Picture nominees. So there are 24 categories. We're not going to get into every single one of them here. But the best picture, that's obviously the biggest category. There are eight nominees. Those nominees are Black Panther, Black Klansman, Bohemian Rhapsody, The Favorite, Green Book, Roma, A Star is Born, and Vice. Okay, so let's kick off our discussion here, breaking down these nominations. First of all, overall impression of the nominations. I feel like pretty par for what we thought would happen with one exception the favorite got a ton and a star is born didn't get as many as i thought it would and neither of us have seen the favorite yet we've done a really good job this year actually of seeing a lot of the best pictures we always try to see as many as we can um and i've seen all but three and josh has seen all but one the favorite so 
Yeah, that one that one has been a bit of a surprise, but we could I think we could tell it was going to do well based on earlier award shows. What do you think, honey? I think that with regards to the favorite, I think that we kind of could have predicted that the actors would be recognized. Olivia Coleman, Rachel Weiss, and Emma Stone have been at all the award shows so far. I think it was a little surprising for something like Best Director, Yorgos Lanthimos is the director of that film, and he was nominated for an Oscar here. I think that was a little bit of a surprise. We'll yeah. talk about one particular upset elimination or snub a little bit later on. But I think, yeah, I think you're right. Pretty, It pr- followed pretty closely to what the Guild nominations have been, which is the Director's Guild, the Writer's Guild, the Producer's Guild. So no huge surprises in the major categories. Honey, honey, what about the Lollipop Guild? Uh, okay. <laughs> I got I him to laugh. I don't I know what the Lollipop Guild said. We represent the Lollipop Oh, we haven't done a copyrighted song in a long time. I think that the biggest thing I take away from this is that it was a really good day for Roma because they won a lot of critics awards last fall, but they were at the Golden Globes. They weren't eligible for either of the two main main prizes there because they're a foreign film. So no one was really sure, are they going to be a major contender? They didn't win the Producers Guild Award, which ultimately went to Green Book. So I think that this was a good day for them. I think that 10 nominations across a bunch of different categories, that's a good day for Roma. Any pleasant surprises for you? I have two that I that I picked out. I have one, and I think it's probably going to be the same as yours. I don't yours. know. Why don't you say yours? Mine is Best Supporting Actor for Sam Elliott oh, yeah, from yeah, yeah, yeah. Star is Born. That actually wasn't mine. Oh. I, we didn't one. think he was going to get nominated because he hadn't been nominated for other things, but I loved his performance in that, so I'm really happy for him. Yes, he was excellent in that film. My two surprises were Marina de Tavera for Roma. She plays Sophia in Roma. And she had not she had been even farther removed, I think, than than Sam Elliott for A Star is Born. Hadn't heard her name mentioned at all, almost. And she got a Best Supporting Actress nomination. She was really good in the movie. It, it seemed like a tough role and she did it really well. And it was very natural. And she's a very she's acted a lot in Mexico. She's a very well known Mexican actress. And then the other one was pleasant surprise was that Black Panther actually did get nominated for Best Picture. I think that the pundits had been saying, yes, it will probably get nominated for Best Picture, but it is the first superhero film to be nominated in this category. And I think that's a big deal because the category of Best Picture was expanded after 2008 when what many people regard to be one of the best superhero movies of all time, The Dark Knight, was not included in the Best Picture nominees that year. So they expanded the category following that. And finally, 11 years later, we're seeing a nomination for a superhero movie. I think that's kind of cool. And it was a really good one at that. Yeah, I was going to say Black Panther really was epic. So I'm glad I got the nomination. Okay, let's talk everybody's favorite, favorite category. Any egregious snubs. I have a bunch, but I know that Maureen has one on the top of her mind. Bradley Cooper. Oh, yeah. Best director. I thought that was going to be yours. Well, that's on my list, but oh, I, I, yeah. why, Bradley why, I know it's on your mind, too. So did not get nominated for best director. Which for is crazy. A Star is Born. It's crazy. It's crazy. We're Team Big Coops all the way. So Team Big Coops. And Team Gaga. And we're worried that, you know, with her losing to Glenn Close for the wife and then tying with Glenn Close for the wife, I don't know. This is going to be a tough race. Okay, so the the whole thing with Bradley Cooper not getting nominated for Best Director, I I, ju- I don't understand. I don't understand how they could leave him out. Now, it's a strong category. There's a lot of, of good directors in there, including Spike Lee for Black Klansman. 
that movie is really good and he did a really nice job. It's his first nomination for best director. But leaving Bradley Cooper out, he shepherded this movie the entire way. I I can't understand how they left him out. I mean, he's been the face of this movie since well before it even came out and they left him out of this category. It reminds me so much of when Ben Affleck was left out of the best director category for Argo. You guys might remember though that Ben Affleck's movie went on to win best picture. So I'm wondering if maybe Bradley Cooper's film, Star is Born, could be pushed into the top spot for Best Picture, which up to this point... But do you think they do it like that? Oh, we're not going to give them this category, no, but we might give them this category? I don't think before the nominations, but I think now that the nominations are out, people are like, oh my gosh, Bradley Cooper didn't get nominated? Let's award them Best Picture so that right, he... Right, because they vote now. They vote now, yeah. So I think there's still an opportunity for them to say, oh my gosh, how did we not... How is he not nominated for Best Director? Let's give a Star is Born you know, best picture. I don't know. We'll see. Could it be an Argo situation? Any other snubs for you? I really was only focused on A Star is Born. And the best picture list seems exactly what we thought it was going to be. So my other snubs that I will point out here, Won't You Be My Neighbor? The Mr. Rogers documentary was not nominated for best documentary, despite winning a bunch of awards leading up to this and being nominated and certainly in the, in the category. So I was shocked that that was left off. And, and it, it was, was awesome. It was great. It's it's very feel good. It's, you know, it's definitely worth a watch if you haven't seen it. I was also a little bit surprised, though I suppose it, it's not a huge snub, that Bo Burnham wasn't nominated for Best Original Screenplay for 8th Grade. Really nice job by him. He'd been on a bunch of lists as a potential nominee. Also surprised that John Krasinski didn't make the cut for Best Original Screenplay for A Quiet Place. Those aren't huge, huge snubs, but I was a little saddened not to see them in the in the category as well. Though Black Panther did get nominated for Best Picture, and it got nominated for a ton of technical awards, I was a little disappointed to see that Ryan Coogler, the director, wasn't recognized at all. He's sort of been, you know, you could imagine him being in 6th, 7th, 8th place in terms of these nominees. There are only five nominees in the directing category. But the, the amount, I think I mentioned this on the podcast a couple months ago when we were talking about the Golden Globe nominations, I just don't understand how you can have a movie that's so successful and so well-received and so well done as Black Panther that requires a level of technical precision from a director and you not recognize that person as the best director. He's only 32 and he's making a movie that is really, really good because it's not just a superhero movie. It's also a movie about a lot of other things. And so I was sad to see someone like him not get recognized. The last two I have, Emily Blunt, Overlooked for Mary Poppins. Meh. She was good, but that 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 role doesn't compare to the other roles that are nominated. I was also sad that she was overlooked for A Quiet Place. And the interesting thing about that is that these are two different, completely different roles. Like she inhabited two completely different characters within the same year. And so it was a little sad to see her not recognized for either of those. And then the last one was a film that I really liked and thought was really well done that was almost completely overlooked, except in a couple of the technical categories. That's First Man, which is the Neil Armstrong film. And it wasn't nominated for acting, which I thought Ryan Gosling and Claire Foy were both really good. Wasn't nominated for best director for Damien Chazelle. Thought he did a really nice job. And then the the most the most egregious one for me was the score, which won the Golden Globe for best score this year and wasn't even nominated this year. So that was strange. 
I don't know how you That's overlook super that. super weird. How does that happen? I don't know. Just, I mean, we've talked about this a little bit, but different voting bodies. But I think that his score was pretty widely recognized as one of the best of the year and did not get nominated. I can't feel too bad for him because he won an Oscar two years ago for La La Land, but it is what it is. Are there any movies that you still want to see based on the nominations now? Okay, so there are three movies that stuck out to me after seeing the nominations that's on my list that I really want to see before the Oscars. The first is The Favorite. I think both yeah, of us probably want to see that. That's the only Best Picture nominee that I haven't seen yet this year. The other one is a film called Cold War. I really don't know what it's about, but it was nominated for Best Director, Best Cinematography, Best Foreign Film. So I I feel like I should check it out. It, it's gotten really great reviews from what I've read. And so it's I think it's out you can rent it now, so I think we'll we'll check that out, or at least I will. I don't know if Maureen's interested yeah, in seeing it. I'll watch it. I don't really know much about it, so I'm interested. If it made the cut for Best Director over someone like Bradley Cooper, it's got to be really good, so I'm interested to, to watch it. The last one is a documentary called Free Solo. This is actually a film I've wanted to see for a, a while now. It's a documentary about a rock climber who climbed the face of El Capitan without any ropes, and this documentary crew filmed him before... And then during his climb, the the film looks absolutely amazing from like a technical standpoint, like cinematography and how they actually captured this. But I'm so curious just because you know what happened. He survived. He finished the climb. But I'm just really interested to see what led up to it, why he did it, trying to understand his psyche. And so I've added that to my list of films that I want to see. Any that you want to see, Maureen? The favorite. Mainly because I'm like, why did you get so many nominations? You better be amazing. So I think we'll definitely try to check out The Favorite. That's probably number one on both of our lists. I think that'll do it for the main conversation about the Oscars. But if you had to say right now what you think will win Best Picture, what would you say? What I want to win Best Picture is A Star is Born. What I weirdly think is going to win is The Favorite. Interesting. I actually think I'm going to go with Roma. I think Roma is going to win. It would be the first time in Oscar history that a foreign film has won Best Picture. So that would be something. I did want to mention this because I think it's important if you're interested in this stuff to understand how the Best Picture voting works. It's called a preferential voting ballot. So the way the preferential voting works is that everybody who votes will rank the Best Picture nominees from one to eight. If one of those films does not get 50% of the first place votes, on the first run of ballots, which is pretty unlikely with eight nominees, then whatever movie comes in last with, the, with you know, in eighth place gets dropped off. And those people's votes, whoever voted that number one, their second place vote then gets counted towards the number one vote. So that keeps going until one film has reached 50% plus one. And if that sounds a little confusing, it is, but I will link a great video explainer in the show notes because I think it's a fascinating way of trying to determine what best picture is and potentially what the problems with that style of voting are. Yeah, because it basically means that if there's a film that is more widely disputed, like some people love it and other people really don't respond to it, they'll get a lot of ones and a lot of eights, but that could really hurt it. Whereas something might get a bunch of threes, but it may be more palatable to everyone. And mm-hmm. so that could rise to the top as yep, best picture. Yeah, that's exactly right. And that's why some people don't really like this voting system because safer films tend to win Best Picture. And we'll see if that happens this year. But maybe it's more about like it appeals to more people. Okay, any other thoughts on the Oscar nominations? No, I'm very excited for them. Maureen, teasers. Teasers. Do you want to kick us off? 
I do. My teaser this week is not traditional. I want to talk about a book that I haven't read yet. It's called Enough, True Measures of Money, Business, and Life. And it is by Jack Bogle, who is the founder of Vanguard, which is an investment firm. He died on Wednesday, the 16th, I believe. So not this past Wednesday, but the Wednesday before at the age of 89. And basically, I was reading about him and how he was a really good leader and a really good person. So he, you know, is the creator of the index fund, which is a way for people to invest and make money with really low fees. You can read lots about that and I won't get into the finance of it here, but basically I really took away from these articles about his life that he passed away with something like $80 million of net worth. You compare that to like Jeff Bezos or the CEO of Fidelity, which is another firm like this, and they're in the billions, hundreds of billions. And he only had 80 million because he did low fees and he spread the wealth out to those investing with him and to his employees. And I just think it really made me stop in my tracks. And I want to read more about his life and his advice, because I think there's something really powerful about someone who has the capacity to make tens and tens and tens more than they did, but they chose not to because they, one, didn't need it, and two, wanted to spread that wealth and wanted to do the right thing by their people and their investors. So I'm excited to read it. I currently have the book on hold, so when it comes available at the library, I will be checking it out, and I will be sure to let you guys know when I do. My teaser this week is a new cast recording from something called Songs for a New World, which is music written by Jason Robert Brown, who we've talked about on the podcast before, has written musicals like The Last Five Years, Bridges of Madison County, Parade. He's an excellent composer, and they did a four-show revival of this song cycle last year in New York, and they decided to record it and do a studio recording. The studio recording comes out today, the day this podcast comes out, and I listened to a preview on Entertainment Weekly earlier this week, and it's really, really good. So this particular production starred Shoshana Bean, Colin Donnell, Mikhail Kilgore, and Solea Pfeiffer, and I really like the original recording, which was recorded in 1995 after they did it off-Broadway, but this new recording is excellent, too. I read an interview with Jason Robert Brown, the composer, and he said that he reorchestrated it put in more instruments, it sounds fuller, the voices are amazing, and one of my favorite songs is called Stars in the Moon, and it's sung beautifully by Shoshana Bean. I met a man without a dollar to his name Who had no traits of any value but his smile I met a man who had no yearn or claim to fame was content to let life pass him for a while And I was sure that all I ever wanted was a life Like the movie stars led And he kissed me right here And he said I'll give you stars in the moon and a soul to guide you and the I'll never go I'll give you hope to bring out all the life inside you And the strength that will help you grow I'll give you truth and a future that's 20 times better Than any Hollywood plot And I thought, you know 
I'd rather have a yacht. So I encourage you to check it out if you're into musicals. And if you're not, we'll pass it along to someone who you think might like it. We made it, you guys. We did it. We made it. It's the end of the show. It's the end of the show. And you're still here. Thanks for listening. We appreciate you. Yeah. Thank you to our listeners for listening. And thank you for anybody who passed along our show last week. Please continue to pass it along. And we'll be back next week with a new episode. Thanks for listening. You can leave us feedback, comments, or questions on each episode by going to vernacularpodcast.com slash popcast. We would love to hear from you and would especially love to hear what you want to hear about on the show. You can also reach us by emailing thepopcast at vernacularpodcast.com. Please also subscribe so you don't miss any episodes. We put out a new one every Friday, and if it's not too much trouble, please drop us a rating or a review. It helps other people find our show. We'll be back next week, as always, sitting cross-legged on our bedroom floor with a brand new episode. Bye, everyone. Bye. I better come up with some good conversations to go on those after you know a what? year let's, wait. Let's just talk a little bit. The conversations on the hearts are terrible. First of all, you can't read them. <laughs> I was going to say, how can you even tell what they say? You have to buy the extra big ones to be able to read Ugh, anything. But those are soft. Eh. No, I like those. I like those more, actually. You also always leave me with the bad flavors. Who wants a lemon-flavored candy heart? I don't mind those. I like Ugh. the white ones the best. White one's fine. Green. Green's a... Orange. Uh, orange is okay. I like red and purple. Those are good. Ugh, purple. Okay, so I don't leave you the bad ones. I don't mm. love the white ones. Okay, you can leave me all the white ones. Okay. okay, fair enough. Next year, 2020, I'll leave you all the white candy hearts. Thanks, honey. <laughs>